And we are live. Welcome, everyone, to the Saturday Standouts live show. With me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Caleb Skinner. And this week, um, as you all know, we might have we did a little promo um, on the Unwrapped Sports Network. We're going to be bringing you our first ever mock draft, um, mock draft 1.0 Saturday Standouts. But before we get to that, the Pac-12 Conference, the final Power 5 Conference, has finally come this week, and they are starting and we're going to go through, um, we're going to each give our most exciting games as well as one player, whether it be draft prospect, whether it be underclassmen that we're really keeping our eyes on this season or even specifically this week. Um, so, Caleb, I'll start with you. What what game are you most looking forward to this week? Uh, I'm looking forward to, it's the earliest game in the Pac-12 this week, and that's between um, the USC Trojans and the Arizona State Sun Devils. So, um, you know, Perry is an Arizona State grad, so I'm sure he's looking forward to that game as well. Um, I just think it's going to be a real battle between two teams that are expected to be or try and contend with Oregon to kind of win that Pac-12 now, especially with the quarterback that USC has um, after, you know, he kind of like boosted onto the scene last season. So um, you're going to see more of, you know, Amon, Saint, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, see, he's going to be tested a little bit, but I'll get in that a little bit later. But that's the one I'm really looking forward to. Um, this USC team is growing a little bit under, you know, Helton, and he's kind of holding it down right now by the, you know, very thin <laughs> line that he's got there. But uh, he's doing a pretty good job of it. I mean, he turned in a pretty decent season last year. So it's going to be a tough battle to open up your season. But hopefully for the Pac-12 and everything, I know they're going to be at home, but I don't think you're going to be allowing fans or anything in the um, Coliseum or anything like that. So uh, best of luck to them. At USC, I want to see them get back and you know be one of the powerhouses in the in college football because I personally believe that when college football is at its height, you know the USC's of the world are you know to be attributed to that. So um, it's gonna be a real good game. I wish it was a later game because it is a bigger game, but uh, I guess we'll have to settle for noon. Uh, and what is yours, Sam? Yeah, USC ASU is a really fascinating game to watch because you have two of the most. I mentioned Jaden Daniels as my. I think he's the most underrated quarterback. Um, in college football, you get rid of like the draft prospects part of it. But Keaton Slovis and Jaden Daniels, um, I know you have really high praise for Jaden Daniels. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the one thing I'm looking for on the USC is, yeah, you mentioned Clay Hilton has really done a nice job of turning that team around. But I think the defense is going to be more of um, what they're looking at because we mentioned on our Pac-12 predictions where outside of guys, like they need more than just two guys, like outside of Hufanga, mm -hmm. outside of – um, Jay Tafeli, they don't, they need more of an identity on that defense. They need more faces and they need more leaders on that defense. Um, but yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown is an absolute stud. I would give anything for the Packers to go draft him. But, um, but my, my most exciting game is, um, seems to be one of the headliners of this week's, of this weekend's Pac 12. Um, and that's, that's Oregon over Stanford. And the Pac 12 conference as a whole is going to be a really, fun conference to watch because there's so many young quarterbacks. There's so many teams that are finding their new identity at the quarterback position. Um, KJ Costello entered the transfer portal. He's now with Mike Leach over at Mississippi state. They now have Tyler mill or Davis mills. Um, Oregon now is Tyler Shaw. Um, obviously Jane Daniels and Keaton, Keaton Slovis, as we mentioned, who now have a year under their belt, Washington, no longer as Jacob Eason. They now have a new, new name in Jake sermon, I believe is a sophomore. Um, there, there's so many like up and coming teams that are like in, 
there's a few of these Pac-12 teams, I should say, that are in a rebuild. And some of these teams are going to be very fun to watch at rebuilding. Um, but Tyler Shaw, not the most mobile. Um, he wasn't very mobile in high school, but I mentioned on our Pac-12 episode, he threw over – Five or 5,100, it was 5,150 passing yards. I think it was around 50 touchdowns. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased to see um, their receivers take a big leap. Um, and I'm looking specifically at Johnny Johnston, um, the third, um, who had really promising stats last year, 836 and seven touchdowns. So I'm, I'm, I see no reason why he can't have a potential um, – thousand yard season. Um, but that, that all has to start with a performance of Tyler Shaw. He only played in like two or three games last season. Um, obviously because Justin Herbert, he probably only played in blowout games. Um, Orkins going into this, into the season ranked at number 12. Um, but I think this is going to be an interesting team to watch, um, finding their, um, hopefully they have their guy in Tyler Shaw. We, we saw very little of him last year, but we, we've seen, we saw the stats he was able to put up in high school, but I've got Oregon over Oregon at Stanford. Yeah, that'll be interesting because you know first season without Justin Herbert at the helm for um, Cristobal up there in Oregon. So, what's he going to be able to do with the new quarterback there um, up there in Oregon and everything? So that's good, and it's a home game for him. So that'll probably bode well in their favor too. And then um, Stanford just hasn't been the same team as we're used to them in in recent you know memory at least. So. Um, it'll be an intriguing game. I think it'll probably be closer than a lot of people think um, just because of all the new nuances that are coming along for both teams here. So um, I, I like to pick a lot, Sam, for an intriguing game. And I'll stick with you and go over to your, you know, guy you're kind of keeping your eye on this weekend um, there in the Pac-12. Yeah, and this team plays Washington State. And I'm looking at this – I'm looking at Oregon State and I'm looking at them specifically – for Hamaka Rashid Jr. And th there's a few edge rushers in this draft that are a little bit on the leaner side. Hamaka Rashid is one of them, um, as well as Chris Rumpf, I mentioned over in the ACC mm -hmm. um, a few weeks prior on our ACC episode. But Hamaka Rashid is not only athletic, but he's very explosive off the ball, plays with an intense, um, plays with a lot of intensity in his high motor. Last season, he had 62 tackles and 22 and a half or 22 and a half tackles and 14 sacks um, on the season. Um, so I, he's taken leaps. He's taken really impressive leaps, um, and I see no reason. He's, he's the face of that Oregon State Beavers defense. And um, Anthony Gordon, they, they have a new they, – they're finding their new identity at the quarterback position too. So um, they know Washington State no longer no longer as Anthony Gordon. But Hamaker Rashid, he's 6'3", 235 pounds. Um, that's a guy that I'm looking for. Um, what to definitely watch out for and keep my eye on this season. Oh yeah, totally get that. Um, I mean, I, I don't watch too much Pac-12, so I can't really tell you a whole lot or anything like that. Um, but for my player um, to keep an eye on this weekend is the same guy I had just mentioned a minute ago, and that is Amon Ross St. Brown with USC. He's got a tough matchup this weekend um, against Arizona State. And that's primarily why I chose him, but it's not just because of that. But we've seen him um, kind of, you know, take a leap each year he's been in college so far. I mean, as a freshman, catching 60 catches for 750 yards for three touchdowns, um, that's pretty great there as a freshman even to, you know, kind of come, on the, come onto the scene 
um, in that aspect. And then he goes up and next year with a little bit of better quarterback play. So that probably helps as well. Um, had 77 catches for a little over 1000 yards for six touchdowns. And he also added um, seven rushes for 60 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, got a little bit more involved as well, probably on a little jet sweep or something where he's able to get the ball there um, and score. But um, I'm really excited to see what leap he makes coming into his junior year now um, in terms of getting, I automatically think he's going to be, you know, uh, NFL draft pick. He's going to insert his name into the draft this season. So um, this is going to be a good test for him right off the bat. And um, I forget the kid, forget or USC's quarterback's name. Um, kind of just keep you know, Yeah. Okay. Came out of nowhere last year and, you know, started putting yeah. up numbers and was given, you know, USC the type of play that they needed out of a quarterback to make them competitive at games and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Having him back there has ex- had a great effect on uh, St. Brown. And I expect those numbers to catch up um, and get even larger this year and keep an eye not on the yardage or, or the catches this year, but I think they're going to be targeting him more in the red zone to get him, you know, more touchdowns. And I mean, six is a lot, but I mean, you play how many games in a season 12. So, um, I mean, the pack 12 is only playing what six, a six game schedule. So if he has six touchdowns, that'll be great for the type of shortened season that he's going to be playing this year. So um, keep an eye on him this weekend against Arizona state. Yeah. And one thing to point out too, about USC one, I love the receivers and two, USC likes their big bodied receivers and Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown. And there's another guy in Drake London. I think he plays bat. He plays or he played basketball um, over at USC. So he's a multi-sport athlete. Right. Um, over at USC. Um, so, and you mentioned Keaton Slovis, you come, came out of nowhere after JT Daniels went out. That is going to be, that's going to be a really fun and explosive offense to watch. And with the weapons and with the progression that Keaton Slovis could make, um, I know we're only playing six games, six or seven games. I think it's seven. Um, you might be right. Um, might have, six or seven games. Right. Um, even if he makes that like big leap in a short amount in a short season, it's going to be an explosive offense that has the and for the status of the Pac-12, it has the potential to be one of the best offenses in the Pac-12. Yeah, hundred percent. Because like you're talking about with Oregon, Herbert's not there anymore, so there's going to be question marks surrounding that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then none of the other offenses really scare me. Besides, I mean, perhaps the team that USC's playing this weekend in Arizona State, um, Cal. I mean, can put up points sometimes too. Um, but the rest of them, you know, nothing's really to be scared of there in, in the Pac-12. So um, I think they have a great chance. And I think Cal is kind of more known for their defense. And I think we, we've, we've had conversations about this before too, with they've had guys um, they, they've had, they have a lot of guys returning on their defense. And I interviewed, I interviewed Thor Nystrom on my career building dairy sports podcast. And we ended, we ended our conversation saying, who is your most underrated and um, defense? Obviously I want Quiddy pay. I'm a big Quiddy pay guy, but an hour shock at Tony, if you want to go a little bit down farther, he went down. He went down even farther, and he took a guy. <laughs> he took a guy and uh, from California named Kwani Deng. Watched. I haven't watched enough of him, but from what I've watched, he's he is he's very lengthy. He's got a really nice body frame. Well, I should say. I don't want to say like super athletic, but he is really lengthy for his position. Um, yeah. Right. Um, 
So you froze for a little bit there, but yeah, I mean, even Cal's offense <laughs> led by <laughs> led by Chase Garbers, um, Makai Polk, and Nico Rajimo over in their offensive side. Um, they have a second year, I believe, second or third year um, Michigan transfer um, Crawford Kakoa Crawford. I don't I don't know how to pronounce his first name, um, but I mean, their their receiving stats weren't overly um, impressive. Um, the guy. They're running back. It's like Christopher Brown, I think. Christopher Brown Jr. Sounds um, about right. Yeah. Um, because I I was I was trying to think of like a new team outside of the Badgers I want to become a fan <laughs> of. Like Cal's looking really nice right now. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I mean, like you said, like there's really there's really no other offense. Maybe ASU, but ASU Brandon Ayuk is obviously a big loss. Um mm-hmm. they also they also lost, you know, Benjamin. Um, and who I think is um, in a very good situation over in Arizona with the Cardinals, but um, seeing as they don't know the answer of their long-term running backs. But, yeah, I mean, the USC offense is going to be very lethal, I think, this season. Yeah, they're perhaps, you know, poised to be the best in there, like you were saying before. But before we get any further into this, Sam, um, just real quick shout-out to some of our sponsors at the Unwrapped Sports Network. If you guys look down at the bottom ticker, you'll be able to see them as well. But um, if you bet, head over to mybookie.ag, USN100 for double your first deposit. So you can go ahead and sign up, but once you sign up, go ahead, or while you sign up, enter promo code <laughs> USN100. You get double your first deposit, but it's got to be a minimum of a uh, $45 deposit on your first time. So um, great things there. You know, sports are starting to heat up again. We're in the middle of the NFL season. Um, college football is in the middle of the season and then the start of another season. And Maction's back tonight. So you know, hit those overs every single time. Maxion's on. Um, great stuff. NBA is getting ready to start back up here in the, in the winter. So lots of things going on. So head over to mybookie.ag and use that code for W first deposits. Great stuff. And then our other sponsor is RX Hemp. Um, RX Hemp is a um, C or it's a all natural CBD <clears throat> pain relief cream. Um, so you know, get you off of those pain pain medications and everything like that. Just throw in a little bit a little bit of this uh, cream. That is CBD all, all natural, rxhemp.com. Use code rxhemp-usn and you get 10% off every single purchase. So not just your first purchase. And so like opposite of my bookie here, 10% off every purchase. Um, it's great stuff. I use it all the time. Um, I'm going to have to get buy Sam one just because he's my my partner here and just send, send him out over there to uh, Wisconsin. But, uh, you know, pay that $4 shipping to send a $4 bottle of uh <laughs> of uh, CBD cream over there to you, Sam. But we'll get moving on um, from our sponsors here, and we are going to do what we were talking about earlier on our promo post on Twitter, and it's going to be our first ever 2021 <clears throat> NFL mock draft. Um, this is strictly the first round, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull up a screen here for you guys and we'll let Sam get started. So, um, the first, so the first two, um, preferably I would almost say the first one was kind of a given. Um, I'll be really upset if this happens to me. I, I, I personally think if the jets are really smart, they trade down, um, because they, they have their franchise quarterback. If they fire their coach, Adam Gase, they're in really good hands. I think they should trade down for another tackle in Panay Sewell, or they trade for a face of their defense in Micah Parsons. But 
since this first one we're doing strictly no trades um you're going best guy available and you're going trevor lawrence um trevor lawrence is a guy that is a it's he's going to change your franchise um but I, ultimately trevor lawrence here um just going from the top nine that we had um we we talked about the giants um we talked about the giants after the sunday night or the monday night game against the buccaneers and we talked about their future and we talked about their offense what they could potentially go and draft and i for one think if if they truly think daniel jones is their guy which i think you and i were on the same page too where it's there i think it's too early to be giving up on daniel jones um and i think panay sewell would be a great pick and i I don't necessarily think it's best player available because I think one could argue that Micah Parsons is this Micah Parsons is right behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, but Peneso, I think, would be a really, really nice fit for that Giants offensive line. Um, so Caleb, I'll let you yeah. kind of take the next three or four even points off the one the first two picks. Yeah. Um you and I pretty much agreed on on the first two picks right there with Trevor Lawrence and Panay uh <clears throat> Um, I mean, pretty obvious Jets, they could honestly go elsewhere, but I mean, their team as a whole is an awful, I mean, one big need in my opinion is wide receiver, but we'll get to that later. Um, so Trevor Lawrence, QB out of Clemson makes a whole lot of sense, but then ultimately this is a good point to kind of bring up the whole, is Trevor Lawrence going to stay if the Jets are the number one pick just so he doesn't end up on the Jets. Um, so that's one move that we could see happen that's outside of the NFL and what they do. Um, Panay Sewell, um, just overall, we have, we're not going to get to see him this year because he decided to opt it out, opt out. But, um, on tape, he's the best guy, um, statistically, probably the best guy, um, anyways. And he's, you know, graded out better last year than, you know, Tristan Wirfs and, and Jaderic Wills, who are, you know, two of the top linemen in, in, or the NFL right now as rookies. So, I mean, you, if you grade out as a 19-year-old higher than those two who are absolutely dominating in the NFL, on the NFL level right now, um, that's extremely, you know, that's extremely positive in terms of, you know, being that number two overall pick. And we all know Giants need it. Um, they just need help everywhere outside of – I'm, I'm high on Danny Dimes. Um, I've been high on Danny Dimes. He just needs help. It just sucks he's with a Giants organization, but there's nothing you can do at that point other than try – and help out your quarterback. And the best way to do that is to keep him off of the ground. And that's going to be, you know, a big pickup for them. But um, oh, go ahead, Sam. No, I was going to say you brought up Trevor Lawrence, like opting out or like staying at Clemson. I mean, to me, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm not thinking about the draft right now. I'm thinking about Clemson. I'm thinking about winning. They did. Like, I, I'm not concerned about that just because they did the same thing with Chase Young and around this time of year, maybe a little bit long, or away into like around winter break. Mm. They did the same thing with Chase Young and Chase Young was Chase Young said something very similar to, to Trevor Lawrence. Um, it was like, um, I'm not thinking about it oh, this right now. I think that's exactly what he said is I'm not thinking about the draft right now. Oh, we'll see what happens. And it's because one, if Trevor Lawrence enters the draft just all of a sudden, he's going to get even more media attention than he already needs. When if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I want to be mentally focused as much as possible on the on on winning the national title. Right. 
Yeah, um, that totally makes sense. And it's probably just, you know, talk for Trevor Lawrence in terms of, you know, he's got to say those things for it to be, you know, just considered or whatever to give the media what they want and all that good stuff. So I totally see it. Um, but we'll move into the third pick here. And um, we mutually because so, guys, what we ended up doing is we each individually made um, our own mock draft. And then we came together and you know talked about who fits best, where, what we thought could happen, what we didn't. Um, and so at number three, we came to the conclusion that the Jags are going to go ahead and take um, the quarterback out of Ohio state and Justin Fields. Um, some people have him or most probably analysts and everybody have him as the number two quarterback overall. Um, I think my colleague here um, has a differentiating opinion that I agree with. Um, so he'll let him talk about that in a minute and where we almost went here. Um, but why I went here is I just think, um, you know, Justin Fields is a good quarterback, but I think there's somebody probably better than him here. But I think it's the Jags and the Jags are going to jag it up, um, if you will. And that's where they're going to come in here and take Justin Fields. Um, in my opinion, we haven't seen an Ohio State quarterback kind of, you know, blossom when it comes to the NFL. Um, I mean, you same can be said for other colleges as well, but I think Ohio State's one of those schools that it's more of a system. And when you get into the NFL, you got to be more reliable on, you know, natural ability and, you know, instinct and being able to make the right plays and the right throws instead of being in a system. Um, but the Jags go right ahead here and take um, Justin Fields out of Ohio State. Yeah, I was really hoping because the first like week or so, Gardner Minshew was playing really well. And I was really hoping Gardner Minshew would just go off to really shake up the draft. And my really, because I mean, like Caleb alluded to, um, I had Trey Lance going here. Um, and I, I really, really want to pick Trey Lance as my quarterback, too. And the big deal breaker for me is he basically only played one season. And I don't care what conference you're playing in. If you're playing D3, I really like throwing zero interceptions in an entire season is super impressive. Um, but I mean, Justin Fields, someone tweeted about like this Ohio State narrative of, and I think he makes a really good point. Um, it was the fact that Ohio State quarterbacks are, like don't work out in the NFL is a really stupid narrative. And I mean, a lot of people thought Dwayne Haskins was going to be the guy to um, break that trend. Um, I mean, the way Justin Fields is playing at Ohio State, um, I think he's got a really good chance to break that narrative. I. I think Justin Fields will be good. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I, I I don't think he'll be elite. I think if he is elite, it'll take him a while. And I, I think he needs the right system. And I think if he has the right system, he will do really well. And I think the Jaguars, if they had a better record, if they had a top 10 pick, I think they could maybe go an offensive lineman. But we've seen now they're starting rookie Jake Luton um, this Sunday. There's been obviously been talks the past few weeks of potential of benching Gardner Minshew if his if his struggles continue and they did it. Um, so now the Jaguars are looking for um, if you want to put the narrative tank for Trevor Lawrence still because <laughs> I mean they did the Dolphins did tank for two and they didn't even get the first pick and it still worked. So, <laughs> but um, I mean to me the quarterback is obviously the biggest need right now if Gardner Minshew was still playing and he was still statistically in the top half of the NFL I think you could maybe have a different conversation depending on who's there um, but I think a quarterback definitely makes the most sense right now for the Jaguars and I think if Trey Lance would have played another season I would have I think I would have put him over Justin Fields 
But that is my one deal breaker. I don't like quarter like one year wonder quarterbacks really scare me um, for the NFL. And like that to me, that doesn't give enough tape for to watch, depending on what quarterback you're watching. But I love Trey Lance, and I totally get the argument of putting him at QB2. Uh, but we agreed here for Justin Fields. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to go quarterback here. Um, but Justin Fields to the Jags. Yeah, I agree with you that I like Trey Lance as a number two quarterback. I think we spoke about that before he came on. Um, I mean, it's probably tough, but the one year and not playing this year kind of hurts him in terms of, you know, where he's going to land, even though you still got this overwhelming – you know, just trying to think of the word, but just, a, you know, an aroma that is just floating around the league that, you know, Trey Lance is a guy and can't be a guy for, you know, an NFL program, if whatever it is, um, or organization, there you go, um, that he can't do that. So ultimately, I think he'll fall somewhere soon after that, but I would have liked to see him go at three, but Justin Fields just makes the most sense right there. And well, that moves us into our number four pick. And this is one Sam and I agreed on. That would be a great fit for the Dolphins here at four. And that is the linebacker out of Penn State, Micah Parsons. You want to go ahead and speak on Micah for a little bit? Yeah, they've, I mean, the Dolphins, they have linebackers. They've got Andrew Van Ginkle, who had a fumble or pick six against the Rams on Sunday. But they need a face of their defense. And I mentioned Jordan Reed from the Draft Network said, I would build my defense around Micah Parsons. Mike, I, I actually read this too because Jordan Reed had the chance to um, – Jordan, the Draft Network, Jordan Reed, just so everyone knows, not the tight end Jordan Reed from the NFL. But, <laughs> but he had the chance to interview Micah Parsons. And um, – and he even mentioned like earlier, he he like he embedded the tweet or like the video and he said, I would build my defense around Micah Parsons. They have Byron Jones. If they keep Byron Jones long term, um, and Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, they need a linebacker. They need a linebacker desperately. They need a face of their defense desperately. And at this point, if like the fourth pick, depending on like where if it's these three players, I definitely think it ends up being best player available. Mm-hmm. Um I think taking a wide receiver, I think taking Jamar Chase, if I'm the Dolphins with the status of this team, I personally think it's too early. Um, if you have Micah Parsons on the board and you have Jamar Chase on the board, I would fully go Mark, Micah Parsons um, because this team does have uh, three first-round picks. I'm not mistaken, two or three first-round picks because they have Houston's. Um, right. So, and I this wide receiver class is so deep. And like it's 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 just as deep, if not deeper, than this pat this this 2020 draft class. Um, mm. So I think Dolphins can definitely afford waiting for waiting to pick a receiver um, for a pick or so. Um, and I think Micah Parsons makes so much sense here. I think it's a perfect match. It's a match made in heaven, in my opinion, when it comes to Micah Parsons and the Miami Dolphins, because we already see what this Miami Dolphins defense is already this year, and there that's a pretty good one. Um, probably upper echelon tier of defense this season. Um, we just saw what they did to the Los Angeles Rams this past week. So, but I mean, their defensive line is just stacked. Their their secondary is pretty good, and then you know the middling aspect is that linebacker room. So, if you want to take this defense from pretty good to an elite level, insert Micah Parsons. He's got pure athleticism for 
how big he is as a as a as a linebacker to be able to move the way he does is just extraordinary. It fits the you know the modern game of the NFL where you got quarterbacks who like to run and all of that nature. So um, I really like Michael Parsons here. He's quick. He's he's agile. He knows um, how to use his hands. He's smart. Um, he's just got it all as a linebacker prospect, and he was like that ever since he got into college. So um, he, he, it's going to be a perfect fit there for the Dolphins. And he lived up to every single moment of that um, recruiting hype, too. And one of the things that he mentioned to Jordan Reed in the interview was, um, I don't know how, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name, but he, 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 his jersey number, like there's, there's a significance behind his jersey number. Um, and it's like one, of, it's like a legend, I think, of like a Penn, Penn State. And he, he gave it to Micah Parsons, and Micah Parsons felt like, like he, yeah, he felt, yeah. Not only he did he feel honored, um, but he almost felt like that he was under some sort of um, maybe the, the pressure. And like, I mean, he lived up, he lived up to every sort of that. And um, I think there was a, I think there's a wall like Penn State of the jerseys they honor like Saquon Barkley, and mm-hmm. he looked at that and he said, "I'm going to be up there." And he is looking to be one of the best recruits Penn State has ever had in recent years. Um, and it's amazing what he's been able to do in his short time. I mean, he doesn't have anything else to prove. I would argue some of these drafts, some of these picks that we've already named, um, like Trevor Lawrence and Panay Sewell, I don't think they have anything else to prove. Um, I think if Panay Sewell, I think if Trevor Lawrence opts out, he's the first pick. I think if Panay Sewell opts out, um, he's still a top five, top 10 pick. Um, he's arguably the best offensive tackle in this draft. Um, I don't think Micah – I'm not too surprised Micah Parsons um, stayed uh, or did not opt back in. Um, I don't think Micah – I would argue Micah Parsons is top two, um, but he's arguably top three, um, a pro, top three prospect in this draft. Um, but this – like you literally are right there. This is a match made in heaven. It makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. If I'm a Dolphins fan, I would be ecstatic at this first pick. Yeah, uh, that'll be perfect with him. I think he's probably mm-hmm. you know, top three guys available in terms of just talent-wise oh, in, sure. in the draft. So um, I'll let you take the next pick. So the fourth pick, this Fifth. guy seems this guy is really soaring up the boards too, and he opted Fifth. out of Miami. <laughs> and <laughs> what's that? Fifth. Oh, fifth pick. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, he opted out. Uh, the second guy, third guy that opted out, actually third of our fifth pick. Um, that's edge rusher Gregory Rose. So he had 54 tackles and 15 and a half sacks. He had five total tackles and playing in one game his freshman year. Um, and Miami is losing quite a bit of edge rusher talent. They lost Jonathan Garvin to the draft to the Green Bay Packers in the seventh round. Um, Quincy Roche is now going to be entering the draft. They're going to be losing. Um, obviously Gregory Rosso, Gregory Rosso is an animal and like a mountain of a man that like Quincy Roche is Gregory Rosso has made a name for himself in his, like in one season, in one full season, he has made a significant name for himself, put himself on the map and the Falcons need an edge rusher, um, desperately. And they only have Fowler on like a one year deal. And they've they lost big on not signing Vic Beasley a few years back, and now Vic Beasley's kind of going from team to team. Um, and I th- would argue the edge rusher is one of the most, 
if I'm the Falcons, I would take an edge rusher right now, right here, if you have Rosso. Um, but I don't think you can potentially go wrong because I did think about going Justin Fields with this pick. Um, but I want the Falcons to fully tank for Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think the Jets are going to win a single game this year the way they're playing. So um, maybe the Jets, maybe the Falcons can call for Sam Darnold or something, but I think this makes total sense here. I think that I think the Falcons are struggling desperately depth wise, especially um, talent and depth wise at the edge rusher. And I think Greg sense here. Yeah. Defense is uh, a very big question mark when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons. It just seems like that's year in year out. It's always a middling or a pretty bad defense, whether it's from the line to the, you know, secondary, but for some reason they always have, had big names that they draft uh, Vic Beasley, if you will, or something like that. And they just never really developed them into, you know, NFL guys. So I don't know what the problem is with that. Maybe bringing in a new, I mean, you're obviously bringing in a new coaching staff. So once that happens, what are, what kind of change are you going to see there? But um, speaking on Gregory Russo as a whole, um, just the one year at Miami. So that's what that's, that brings into question for me. Is it a one year thing? And is he, our team's going to start to figure him out. Like once he does get to the NFL, is he ready for the speed? Because you did just play one year and that was, that was all you got. So, um, but outside of that, he is um, a freak of nature to look at. He's just a specimen, um, you know, like a, you look at one of those marbled, you know, old Victorian stone <clears throat> dudes in like Italy or, or wherever and, or like Greece or something like that. And that's what he looks like. He's just an animal, long, super long arms, um, can play inside or outside on the defensive line. He's quick at both. Um, he gets off really quick. He bends very well in between, you know, the tackle and the guard or or if he has to go up against a tight end and then in between a tackle too. So um, just a real uh, animal. What did he have? How many sacks last year? I think he had like, what, 12 sacks or something like that last season. So um, pretty great guy. And, he had 15 um, and a half sacks in 13 games. Yeah, that's insane, uh, especially in college. That's great numbers to put up against. You know, you face some pretty good offensive lines there in the ACC, but um, nothing like you do in the Big Ten. But, you know, um, to be able to put up those numbers in one year is pretty fantastic. And then the sixth pick. This to me is a given um, because I think someone in the unwrapped chat mentioned the Dallas and they're 100% correct. The Dallas Cowboys are a perfect example of why you pay your quarterback first. Um, they should have paid Dak Prescott first. And you mentioned the one year wonder. I feel like it depends what position you are. Cause I think quarterback, it definitely is the most crucial. Um, Cause some, some feel that Sam Darnold is almost <laughs> is so hard to, analyze because of his supporting cast in the situation that he's currently in. Marcus Mariota was a first round pick. Um, I, for one, I'm not sold on Jared Goff. I don't like Jared Goff. I don't think Jared Goff is good at all. Um, and I mean, see, I'm every quarterback that I've just named for all first round picks that we have yet to see. Jared Goff is an overpaid quarterback right now. Um, he was off to a really strong start. Um, up until this Miami game. Um, so I will give him that, but the decision-making of the Miami game needs to, they need a bounce back game. And I know I heard Christian uh, rant to that uh, yesterday um, on the, on the unwrapped with um, me, Matt, or Matt, Alex, and I. So 
but Patrick Sertain here makes a lot of sense. The defense is the biggest problem right now with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think you could go edge rusher, but I think the secondary is the biggest problem right here. Um, they, to me, I don't really think they had it. They had to let Byron Jones walk. Um, I think if they would have had, I think if they would end up ended up keeping Byron Jones, the chances of you signing Dak Prescott would have gone, would have narrowed down even less um, mm-hmm. or narrowed down even more. Um, Patrick Sertain is arguably the best cornerback in this draft. He's a top 10 prospect in this draft. Um, they, they need a face. They need, they need, they need a face of that secondary and they've struggled to find safeties. Obviously too. They've been on the radar with um, Earl Thomas um, and they've been on the radar for Earl Thomas for actually a year or two now. And haha Clinton Dix was signed and then they cut him. Um, they need a piece. They need a secondary piece. Um, I've been on the rate. I've been on the, the side of they should trade Leighton Vander Esch. Um, I know you guys were talking. Some people think Amari Cooper. Like I know you guys are talking in the chat. A lot of people think um, Michael Gallup. I've heard some people say Zeke. I know the Unwrapped NFL Unwrapped had a poll the other day. Uh, there's a low percentage, but it was still a few votes saying Zeke on the trade on the trade on on the trade block. But um, I, for one, think Leighton Vander Esch has so much has a great amount of value to him right now where if you trade him get a secondary piece obviously the trade deadline's over so you think about this in the offseason maybe um and i think this i think where the cowboys pick i think it's going to depend on the offseason goes so i think i think where i think the cowboys are going to be a really crucial team to watch in the offseason will they sign Dak? i think they're going to sign him i think he's going to get overpaid but he's going to get a contract and he's going to deserve it. But the con- the financial standpoint is not going to be deserving. Um, but anyways, the, the Cowboys need a face to that secondary. And I think Patrick Sertain makes a lot of sense here. I think it's a great pick here for the Cowboys. We've seen consistently this first half of the NFL season, they, their corners getting continuously burned. Obviously you need safety help as well, but it all starts <clears throat> guys who are lining up in front of the wide receivers, you know, night in, night out, whenever they play. So um, we saw Trevon Diggs perhaps have the best game of his young career. Um, this last game out, I think he was named rookie, defensive rookie of the month or, or something, or not rookie of the month, rookie of the week or something like that. Um, so if you insert Patrick Sertain on the other side, you got two great young um, corners to kind of build around here and start, you know, <coughs> excuse me creating a mentality in that defense that you probably haven't had in quite some time. Um, maybe a few years removed from the defense with a, with, you know, an identity to it. So if you can have two young cornerbacks to build around, they could probably feed off each other, bring some of that mentality back into, you know, a Cowboys defense. That's great for them. Offense. There's no question that it's one of the top offenses. So you don't really need much there. It's all about freeing up money to pay Dak here. And I mean, picking up a cornerback, that is the best cornerback. <clears throat> Patrick Sertain's only allowed 10 catches this year um, on 21 targets for, I think, a little over 100 yards. So um, lockdown in the SEC, that's great. So you pick up one of the best cornerbacks, probably the best cornerback in the draft early, and you get him at six. Um, that's saying something there. So Cowboys, go ahead and get your guy. 
All right, I'll move on to seven, and this is uh, our exciting guy here, and that's quarterback Trey Lance heading to the Washington football team. And if you guys aren't familiar with Trey Lance, he is a quarterback out of North Dakota State University. Um, they're obviously not playing this season, so we got to see the one season of Trey Lance last season. And my boy, did he just light – he lit it up. He, every single play, it seemed like he was just doing something right, making a big play, um, a huge throw or something like that. And what I'm really excited about here, and I was telling Sam this earlier, is that I think Trey Lance is a perfect fit for the Washington football team. Yeah, and actually they played one game, and he had two touchdowns, and he, he had two touchdowns rushing, and he had two touchdowns passing in, in one game. He had uh, 50, went 15 for 30, had 50 completion percentage, 149 yards, and two touchdowns passing. Um, and then 15, 15 attempts, 143 rushing yards, and two touchdowns rushing in one game. He had two pass yards, two, uh, two rushing touchdowns, and this guy's shifty. And I mentioned, like, I don't care what division you're playing in. Throwing, going through an entire season and not throwing a single interception is so impressive. And to see Washington with a young and mobile quarterback would be so fun to watch. Um, another player I really want to see here, I don't think it's going to happen because I think I think this team should go quarterback. Um, Jamar Chase would be so scary here with Terry McLaurin. Um, but yeah. I think quarterback makes a lot of sense here. Um, I think Alex Smith is done for his career, uh, but it was awesome to see him come out um, after a long fight um, from his leg injury. Many of um, many have thought many who thought who wasn't even going to come back. So if he wins comeback player of the year, just out of coming out there, that would be awesome to see. Um, but they need a quarterback. They traded for Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen's not their answer. Uh, he might be a QB2 guy, but he's not their answer. They've been looking to trade Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is going to be an interesting name to come up in the offseason. Um, I've said Steelers. I know Alex said he's been hearing that name floating around with Dwayne Haskins. Um, uh, my cousin also said Steelers. I'm thinking Saints as well. Um, I said I told Matt Skura, I said watch out for the Saints taking a quarterback in the first round. Um so, but I think Trey Lance is this ends up being the best quarterback available, and I think they need a quarterback desperately here. And I think they Trey Lance is going to be an interesting guy to watch this offseason to see if he gets traded. Yeah, it's definitely the right move for Washington to go ahead and grab a quarterback. The two guys you have in your quarterback room right now aren't going to get the job done. Um, I know Alex Smith is a feel good story and everything like that, but there's no way. Um, after that, that you can be a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL with having to do everything that you have to do as a starting quarterback. Kyle <clears> Allen <throat> is okay, but he's not where you want to be to be able to, you know, contend for a NFL championship. So that and the Super Bowl, so that's not going to happen either. So Trey Lance, perfect fit there in Washington, and that'll move us into the number eight pick, and that's the LA Chargers going with offensive tackle out of Alabama, Alex Leatherwood. Um, you can start with him if you would like, Sam. Sure. Um, so this was also an interesting one for me because I almost went Kyle Pitts here, but I did think it was a little bit too early for them to take a tight end. But you have Hunter Henry playing off a franchise tag, and you also have Mike Williams up for an extension. Um, I think I think they should sign Mike Williams, but I think tight end is definitely going to be a position of need for them in this draft. Uh, but – Justin Herbert looks like he looks to be their guy. He's looking nothing short of impressive about these first few weeks. Um, and Alex Leatherwood was one of those guys at Alabama 
that surprised everyone and came back along with Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses more specifically because he missed the entire season last year. And if he gets one, if he hurts himself again this year, um, that's going to affect his draft stock quite a bit. Um, but he's very talented as well. But here I've got Alex Leatherwood. Um, he, he is very explosive. I love his footwork. He moves very well for his size too. And they need an interior offensive lineman. Um, they need to protect their quarterback. And the way I look at young quarterbacks, the same way I said about Daniel Jones, if you truly think he's your guy, you need to do everything you can to protect him. And I was, and I, even everyone talked about Herbert's mobility. He didn't, he didn't, we didn't see a ton of that at Oregon. And now we're seeing that um, over at the chargers and Twitter blew up because of that too. And that was awesome to see. Um, so Alex Leatherwood, I think is a really nice pick here. Yeah, I think it's a really nice pick and especially in <clears throat> It, you could have gone with any offensive tackle here in this draft that are ranked within the top 25 just because they all are great, and it's a very deep tackle class here on the offensive side of the ball. So Alex Leatherwood makes a lot of sense. He came back, so that was it's great for Alabama. Um, he has struggled a little bit early. He's allowed um, a decent amount of quarterback pressures and everything, but um, I think that's just because it's a, a different season. He's trying to – you know, figure out different things. He's got a different quarterback back there and, you know, learning cadence and all that takes him a little bit of time. So I don't have a problem with him at all going here to the chargers. And like you said, having to watch Herbert run and run and run and run and run out of the pocket so much. Um, you didn't see him do it at Oregon. It was more drop back, utilize that big bomb arm that he has. Um, and you can see that on display when he has time, but a lot of the times um, that offensive line cannot hold up the whole time or they let somebody through one hole and then Herbert's having to escape or getting sacked. So um, I think it's a great pick by the Chargers taking Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. You going to take on number nine? So uh, sorry, Vikings fans, you're not tanking for a quarterback. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> as long as you got Rick Spielman as your GM. Um, but, hey, you can't go wrong here. I think this is a good pick. Um I, to me, I think the first round for the Vikings should be defensive lineman or corner. I don't think you could go wrong with Sean Wade here as well. Uh, but defensive line makes a lot of sense. I know some people – I know some websites have Christian Barmore as potentially a one of those um, draft fallers, draft guys that's dropping a little bit. Um, but through four games, he's got 12 total tackles and two sacks. Um, he's a big-bodied guy. He's a run stuffer. He's 6'5", 310 pounds, and the Vikings need defensive line. They went out and traded for Yannick Ngakwe. Didn't even get a first-round pick out of him. Traded him for a rental. Uh, they believe they're 1-5 when they traded for him. Um, and they, they're they getting Michael Pierce back, too, because if you opt out, I'm, if I remember correctly, when you opt out, that doesn't count towards your contract. So they're going to mm -hmm. get Michael Pierce back next season. You bring in – you got Christian Barmore. They went out and drafted James Lynch out of Baylor. You're going to have three run stuffers in your D line. They also need an edge rusher. They hurt. They struggled badly when they hurt, when they lost Everson Griffin. So I think an edge rusher is a guy they could look at um, in the later rounds because uh, you're also going to get the new Hunter back. You're going to get, you're going to get Anthony Barr back on your linebacker core as well as Eric Kendricks. So you still have right now. Um, so the Vikings, I think the Vikings need to keep building their defense. I think they, I think they might go quarterback in this draft. I think they should very well consider it early within the first three rounds. Um, but I really don't think you could go wrong picking a defensive lineman here. 
Yeah, there's plenty of gaps in the Vikings team right now. Um, the only solidified area you really have is your run game with Dalvin Cook and then followed up by Alexander Madison. So um, <clears throat> everywhere else, you your question marks. I mean, I guess your wide receiver room is pretty good, too, with Adam Thielen and then uh, Jeff, Justin Jefferson. So um, two studs out there. So that's good, too. Um, but, yeah, their defense needs help. They haven't really been able to stop anybody. Chris Barmore. Um, so we're going back-to-back Alabama players here. He was injured early this season. I think he had like a knee injury or, or something like that. So maybe that's why you're seeing him, you know, take a little bit of time to get into the prime condition that he was supposed to be in um, up to this point. This year. Maybe that's why he's falling down the boards a little bit, maybe in terms of some scouts or, you know, um, draft analysts when it comes to that. So I think he, he hasn't quite made the leap that everybody was expecting him to this year, but I think he's mm-hmm. a very uh, solid defensive lineman that that'll fit in well with the Vikings D-line there. Before we go to 10, I want to make sure Anthony's here because I think Anthony's going to really like this pick. <laughs> I don't know if he's here or not. We can scroll down. We don't have to wait, but hopefully All right. I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Jump in. All right. Chase, baby. There it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to go and say that I don't think the Patriots are bad enough to tank, but when's the last time we've seen the Patriots – I mean, I don't care if we're at the end of the season or not, even in the top 10. Like, we usually were seeing them in the bottom three to five. Um, but they're, they're struggling desperately receiver. Nikhil Harry has so much potential, but he's had a history of concussions. Um, Julian Edelman is obviously getting up there in age. They need a young wide receiver. They need a successor for Julian Edelman. And <laughs> Anthony Anthony wants a smart front office that will draft the offensive guys. They drafted Devin, <laughs> Devin Asiasi. And Dalton Keen, I asked him. I asked him about their defense. He said, oh, "Defense is fine. Defense is fine. They can keep going defense." But I just want someone new for offense. But hey, um, if you got the new same guy, whoever's in your front office, Jamar Chase is an absolutely great pick. Um, this is the future of your wide receiver. Um, and I, I said this before early in the season um, or before the season started. Um, Cam Newton had a struggling. Cam Newton played well the first three games, and now he's starting to struggle really bad. And obviously the fumble was a big part of it this past this past game. Um, I think Cam Newton has a shot at getting a QB1 spot somewhere or potentially a QB2 and competing, but I don't think it's going to be in, um, in New England. I think New England needs a new guy um, to – to mentor. And I, I think if they're smart, they keep Brian Hoyer there as a QB to a guy that knows the offense. Um, but they need a wide receiver bad. And they traded Isaiah Ford. They traded for Isaiah Ford for a conditional seventh round pick. Um, but their Isaiah Ford is, yeah, he might be like a role player right now. He's got a lot to prove. He's very young. Jamar Chase is the best receiver in this draft. Made a huge leap with Joe Burrow. Um, but I, I love this pick. I think this would be scary, um, depending on who they're, how they, what their quarterback situation ends up being. Yeah, I like it a lot, too. I originally wanted to go with um, the tight end out of Florida and Kyle Pitts. Um, but Sam talked to me out of that as the Patriots <laughs> took two tight ends last season. So... It doesn't really make a lot of sense to take him, even though he is more of a wide receiver type of tight end. I thought he would have fit in nice with the Patriots, but so does Jamar Chase. They obviously need weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and there's not many better weapons out there in college football than Jamar Chase. Uh, He opted out for the season, I think, right? 
Mm -hmm. Um, So he's getting ready for the NFL draft too right now. So, I mean, Nikhil Harry hasn't worked out the way they thought he was going to work out. And Julian Edelman is just getting doubled every time. And then not to mention he's injured right now. So you're having to rely on guys that not many people know of. I know they got a wide receiver out of Miami. Um, I forget his name, but um, they got him last year. But you haven't seen a real lot of production out of their wide receivers and quite some time now. So um, it's a great pickup for the Patriots. And all you got to do is convince Bill to take a wide receiver at number 10. (laughs) And moving. This to me is a no brainer. Um, especially if the Bengals are going to end up picking this early, let alone even maybe potentially being in the top ten. But I just want to—I just want to tell everyone. So this was this was NFL Networks. Um, this was NFL Network as of uh, yesterday, I think it was. Um, this this was their updated draft order. So one through eighteen is the same, and then now the F from nineteen to thirty-two is they're projecting it. Considering Joe Burrow has two seconds to throw the ball. Um, every time he is having a very, very impressive season uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. And we talked about the Bengals yesterday on the NFL Unwrapped. And I personally had A.J. Green as one of my comeback player of the year candidates before the season started. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's looking like he might not even um, – I don't think he's going to be on this team next year. Um, I don't think this team can go around drafting a wide receiver – um, but I personally think that they need to worry about, depending on where they're picking, I think they need to worry about drafting an offensive tackle and protecting their quarterback because the Bengals have arguably one of, if not the worst offensive line in the NFL. Um, you're getting Jonah Williams. Um, Jonah Williams has a lot to prove, obviously. Went out with a, had a sideline for his rookie season with a torn labrum. Um, but you need two tackles. He, Sam Cosby would be a nice compliment um, to – um, to Joe, to Jonah Williams as your two tackles. Um, and I, I like this pick a lot here. Yeah, you nailed it right on the head when it comes to having to watch Joe Burrow run for his life every single play. So this would be a huge upgrade at that position over whoever they have right now. Um, Sam Cosme has done a fantastic job there in Texas. Texas throws the ball a lot, a lot, a lot. And I think he's already been on the field for like 200 and some snaps, which is insane. Um, but in, in those snaps, he's only allowed seven pressures. And I think he owns the best, um, third, the third best, um, pass blocking grade in, in college football right now. So, um, that's great for a team like the Bengals who like to pass the ball a lot, or they want to move more towards a balanced attack, but they've been forced to pass. And if you're forced to pass, you need somebody that's going to be able to hold up in the pass blocking game. So, um, Sam Cosme is a great fit here. And that'll take us into the 12th pick in the NFL draft, and that's going to the Carolina Panthers. And here we have cornerback out of Ohio State and Sean Wade, um, probably in contention for, you know, probably the second overall cornerback slot here. Um, Patrick retains hard to catch. But I think um, Sean Wade's a great a great cornerback in his own, own right and everything like that. So um, if you think about it, he's – been locked down for was he a junior now so he's been playing for quite some time um i mean he's only played one game so you, you don't have a lot of tape on him right now but um sean wade had balled out last season with ohio state um locks down that one side of the field for them creates turnovers pass breakups 
all the good stuff. And the Panthers need that. They don't really have a guy out there that's, you know, stopping anybody or that any quarterbacks are afraid to throw on or throw at. So I think it's a good fit there in Carolina. Yeah. And Carolina's a team. They went all defense and we, we saw a few secondary guys rise in the draft. Kyle Duggar is one of them. And the senior bulls been a showcase where t- players like Kyle Duggar have soared up the draft boards because of that. And Jeremy Chin, their second round, I think it was, second or third round draft pick, um, he's one of the Panthers' top tacklers right now. I think either last week or two weeks ago, he was the Panthers' leading tackler. Um, And obviously, you have Trey Boston, your safety. Um, He's been from team to team, um, and I think he might be – oh, no, that was the Chargers, I'm thinking. But um, I know he's with the Chargers twice. I'm thinking of the Chargers, but – they need another corner. I think corner, I would argue corner is one of their biggest needs here. Um, and you kind of went, went along with the stat line, so I'm not going to repeat ourselves here. But Sean <laughs> Wade really put himself on the map really quickly. And I think one of the games, one of the games that, I mean, one of the games that stood out last year that everyone kind of took notice was the game that he got ejected um, in the college football playoff or right before. Um, but he's put himself on the map. And I agree with you there. Um I think he is the second quarter cornerback uh, off the board. Um, I shouldn't say off the board. I should say talent-wise. But I think him and Caleb Farley are very close. But Patrick Sertain definitely is um, tough to beat. And I think Sean Wade, it makes a lot of sense here. Um, even though, yes, the Panthers did go all defense, but there still are missing pieces to their defense. And um, I would argue the corner is the most important um, for them right now to address. They have Jeremy Chin. Um, over at the, I think they're using him as a kind of like a hybrid role as a safety. Um, but they, they need a true corner, um, to, to, uh, finish building that defense, a young defense, a young team that potentially is up and coming. Yep. And then that'll move us into 13 and that's going to be uh, the Detroit lions. And they're going to take an interior defensive lineman here from Pitt, And that's Patrick Jones, the second. Um, he has been lethal um, and not very much talked about um, in terms of, you know, people in draft world. So um, I wasn't quite sure um, on even putting, you know, Patrick Jones into the first round of the draft until Sam talked to me and brought him up. And I'm like, I can't believe we I've even missed him in terms of putting him on the list. And I think that's a perfect fit for the Lions. They, always need help and on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like, because teams are usually abusing them when it comes to that, and they consistently score points against them. And um, uh, Patrick Jones II is one of the great run stoppers in college football, and that's something the Lions could really use uh, come this upcoming draft. Yeah, Patrick Jones is an animal, and I love pit defense. And actually, Jalen Twyman opted out. Uh, earlier this week, uh, yesterday, two days ago, two days ago, Tuesday or Monday, um, Paris Ford also opted out. Um, so, I mean, we, we, we expressed a lot of excitement in watching Pitt defense and now they're without Paris Ford, one of the top secondary prospects, um, in this draft class. And Patrick Jones has such an elite body frame. And if you watch him too, um, He's very active with his hands. He can be very violent with his hands sometimes too. And 
if you watch him as well, yeah, he definitely is primary defensive line interior, uh, but he is lined up on the outside at times. So I think mm -hmm. he has the ability to be a playmaker on um, in the interior or the exterior part, uh, interior um, or out, in or outside. Um, the Lions, I think, makes so much sense here. Um, they're going to be an interesting team too because I think that Matt Patricia is on the hot seat. I think he's one. Of, I think his seat is burning right now. Um, I think he's the top three coach in the NFL that should be on the hot seat. Um, but they went out and signed Trey Flowers. Uh, don't recall when his contract is up. Uh, but they went out and signed him uh, this past season, I think so, uh, this past offseason. Um, but they need another edge rusher. They need big on run defense. And, yeah, we talk about the Packers struggling in run defense. The secondary for this team, the corner you have Justin Coleman, who I think is a very nice compliment to Jeff Okuda. They went in and brought in. Desmond Trufant from the Atlanta Falcons. You know, have Jamie Collins that you draft or that you went out and signed um, over in out in free agency. The biggest problem to their defense, the biggest need, is up front on their defensive line, and I love Patrick Jones here. Yeah, it's it's a smart pick. Um, I think you don't you can't go wrong at all there, um, and it's hard to come by defensive line talent. I think in this draft more than we've seen in a while. So um, to be able to snag him right there is perfect. And I'll let you take the start off with number 14. That's the Broncos taking Caleb Farley. Yeah, this is kind of where we um, kind of flip-flop <laughs> here because you had Caleb Farley to the Panthers and I had right. Sean Wade to the Broncos. Um, but, well, actually, no, I think I think this was mine. Was, this, yeah, my, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Caleb Farley's obviously has been nothing short of impressive. I don't have his unprofessional. I mean, I don't have his stat line pulled up. Um, if you want to pull it up um, while I'm talking here. But um, but the Broncos did pick up Chris Harris Jr. in free agency. But Chris Harris Jr., yeah, he's still very productive for his age. Um, but one, yeah, he is starting to get up there in age, and they need depth at that cornerback position. Um, I, I think another area you could go here um, – Potentially is up front, maybe on the defensive line, but I like the cornerback position a lot here. Cornerback position makes a lot of sense for the Broncos. They haven't had a guy that they needed out there to be able to, you know, lock in on a team's number one wide receiver. And um, I can't even tell you since maybe since um, Akib Talib was good. So uh, it's been a while. So then grabbing Caleb Farley. Um, is going to be awesome. I think him opting out of the season here um, is kind of why he's the third quarterback taken off the board instead of being the second corner taken off the board. So I completely understand why he's going to the Broncos instead of the Panthers, but it's not that big of a gap. It's two picks. So, I mean, that's pretty big, him going in the top half of the first round. Um, out of Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech is known for having their you know good corners coming out of there and great secondary play as well. And he's done nothing but live up to the hype that he ever he came in there with too. So, um, Caleb Farley to the Broncos is going to be huge, especially um, I forget who's all in that division, but having a defense in that division is huge. And he totally like twenty total tackles and four interceptions. He's a guy that screamed consistency as well as soon as he's 
Um, the minute he stepped onto the field as a Virginia Tech, uh, um, yeah, he's just got he's got great size, great athleticism. I think he's six one as a corner. Um, so I mean, I know a lot of draft <clears throat> prospects boards and everything have him even as like a higher rated overall player, like number eight. Um, and in some areas that I see him as high as that. So, um, what a steal. If so, if the Broncos can get him at 14. That'll keep us chugging along to Mark's favorite team. That's our boy, Mark Belleville. If you don't watch for the love of the game on Tuesday nights, feel free to go give them a watch as well. He's the main host over there, but the 49ers are going to take an interior offensive lineman here from Ohio state and Wyatt Davis. Yeah, I think this guy might have the potential, depending on how he finishes the season out, to go top 10. Um, one of the teams I was looking um, was the Minnesota Vikings as well. Um, and we did go linemen on the defensive side there, but I like the 49ers here. Um, I like the fit, um, and I mentioned this before we go off air. Um, I think they should trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the Jimmy Garoppolo exper uh, experiment is not working, but the biggest – Concern of that is the contract. You paid him hundred plus million dollars. I don't have. I think it's one hundred twenty or something like that. They they paid him a ton of money, and the biggest the biggest um, struggle for them is going to be finding someone to end up taking that contract. <laughs> um, but building depth at the offensive line, they went and traded for Trent Williams after they lost one of their veteran tackles um, to retirement. Actually, the same day they traded for him, they trade they he retired. And they went out and traded for Trent Williams. Um, but they need interior line help. They've got the tackles. They need interior line help. Um, I like this pick a lot. Yeah, you you can make the case for the 49ers going after a secondary piece here. But yeah. I think they need a little bit more help in that interior offensive line. And what better person than, you know, Wyatt Davis? He's a great, solid guy there that you can slot in at guard probably immediately as soon as, you know, he's into the system and understands the plays. And everything like that. He had a shaky week one, I think, against Nebraska. Um, didn't necessarily play all lights out, but again, it's one game after a you know very confusing and odd off season to even get to the season. So, um, and he initially opted out. So him opting back in proves that he wants to you know put a little bit more on tape. Um, not only that, but he's a team guy and he wants to help his team perhaps win a national championship. So that tells you the type of person he is real quick too. So um, I think it's a great pickup by Wyatt Davis or the by picking up Wyatt Davis for the 49ers. <laughs> you say this every yeah, stream. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> every stream. That's okay. I'm still going to say you don't like any of these players and then he can. Uh... <laughs> I know that's not the point of this show. The point of the show is to tell people <laughs> who are good players. Well, yeah, but then I can disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, we'll keep it moving here. And number 16 is the Dolphins again. So this is their second pick that you're talking about. And this is one that you and I, I think, both agreed on and we really loved. This makes so much sense. And the fact that the Dolphins have two picks in the first round um, and the fact that they're getting now a familiar weapon for Tua and I, I, as well as probably other people, are really bummed to not see him for the rest of the season. He was a yards after catch machine throughout the throughout not even last year, but like um, his first few years um, at Alabama. And the way he was playing, I wanted to put him as my potentially 
as my third, potentially second overall receiver. I mean, wow. Jalen Waddle was so impressive. Um, my, I mean, my two right now is Bateman, but I mean, Jalen Waddle, yeah, Jalen Waddle and Tua would be such a lethal com- combination. Um, ankle injury, um, obviously, that would be concerning, but he he injured it early, um, which unfortunate that he's out. But this makes so much sense here. Tua needs a weapon, um, and I, I love it. I love this here. I when I was writing this down, I I didn't even look at Sam's picks because he, he already sent them to me. But I didn't even look at them, and I just I got to this pick, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, Dolphins could use a wide receiver because they've already picked up um, that we had in the for their fourth overall pick, a linebacker to shore up that defense a little bit. And I was so excited that Jalen Waddle was still available <laughs> there for me to take with the Dolphins and reunite him with Tua. Um, that's just you you couldn't ask for a better marriage there, and the fact that. Outside of um, uh, Devontae Parker there in Miami, you don't really have another guy that's going to be able to do the things they need to do. And you bring in – so, you know, Devontae Parker is more of a big wide receiver, physical guy. And if you bring in Jalen Waddle, he's more of, you know, your your clean cuts, your your speedster type dude. So you get two different wide receivers there in Miami for Tua to work with. And uh, that's going to be – a fun Miami team to watch. I think we're finally going to see Miami start to be good again. And that's exciting, but we'll keep it moving. And this is another guy that Sam pointed out to me. And ever since then, I've been kind of really zoning in and focusing on his play as of recent. And that is Quiddy pay um, edge out of Michigan being taken by the Raiders. I love Quiddy Pay. I think Quiddy Pay has the potential to um, be in the top ten to top twelve. I mean, even going through the first like two to three weeks of the of the college football season, he's got one of the most QB pressures as an edge rusher. And and they've only played Michigan's only played two games. They've played Minnesota. They've played Michigan State. Quiddy Pay is a freakish athlete. He is an athletic freak. He has put himself on the map and. I wrote an article about him at the Cards Wire because the Cardinals are desperately needing an edge rusher. I love this pick, and I like the Raiders. And I think I think the Raiders are a potential team that people are going to be sleeping on. Um, I was a little bit confused why I saw the Raiders uh, ranked last, projected last um, to start the season um, in the AFC West. Um, I, I love Mike Mayock is a draft genius, um, and Quiddy Pay. You can't go wrong with Quiddy Pay, man. I love Quiddy Pay. Yeah, and I didn't really get to watch him a lot last year, and then all of a sudden, <clears throat> this game against Minnesota, he just explodes. Has he a up. yeah, he, he has a pass rushing grade of eighty eight point four, which is by far, in a way, apparently his like highest pass grade in his whole entire career. So uh, this dude just kind of hit a different level in the offseason from last year to this year. Um, he probably was going to be a middle with the rounds draft pick heading into this year after his last season and his output then. But uh, the way he just comes off the ball, he's mean, um, very explosive, great agility, bends well, great use of hands. You can't say enough about him. And um, I don't know if you saw on college game day the other day, but they had a nice little mock-up of, you know, his family and where his mom came from. And he doesn't want to let her down. And he does everything that he does for her. And this type, that shows you the type of guy he is too. So, um, and the thing when it comes to the Raiders is it's been obvious this year, in my opinion, that the Raiders need 
some help on their defensive side of the ball, getting pressure on their quarterback because they've been getting abused through the air by every single quarterback that they have faced pretty much. And they can't have that. And it's not necessarily because the corners are failing, but obviously they need help there too. But if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, then you're pretty much letting down the rest of your defense. So Quiddy Pay is a perfect fit for the Raiders, in my opinion. And going down to pick 18 is going to be the Bears with Trey Smith, offensive tackle out of Tennessee. This, to me, makes too much sense. Um, I, I know a lot of mocks had them going Rashad Bateman, but I think a big deciding factor of them picking a wide receiver is Allen Robinson. Um, I think if Allen Robinson had a better quarterback throwing to him, he would be a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Um, but I think Allen Robinson is going to get re-signed by the Chicago Bears. I think the Bears are going to pick a quarterback in this draft, but I don't think it's going to be in the first round. Um, I think they need tackle help. They they need to stop the outside. Um, they need to protect on the outside, and their pass blocking is has been has not been that impressive this year. Um, Trey Smith, I love. Trey Smith has kind of maybe fluctuated throughout the first round. I've, I think I've seen him in a little bit of uh, in a little bit of for, or a second round um, second round mock drafts, but. I personally think he is first-round talent, and if he keeps up what he's doing, I think he has a very good shot at being um, in the top 15, top 20. Yeah, um, I think it's a smart move here with Trey Smith. I don't. I think they still probably hold on to – either they hold on to one of the other of Foles or um, – geez, I was just blanking Trubisky. on his name. Yeah, Trubisky. Um, out of those two, they probably hang on to one. I originally wanted to go with Zach Wilson out of BYU, the quarterback there who's out putting up absolute numbers here with the Bears. Um, but it's probably too early to take him just because, you know, he kind of had some struggles last year. He's he, Teams are starting to figure him out a little bit more um, the deeper into the season it gets right now. But he's still putting up great numbers. He's making right plays. He's playing very well. But um, I don't know if he's you know necessarily ready for – the NFL. And the reason I said that too, is because the bears are their front office is just in love with trying to figure out this quarterback situation and they just can't quite seem to do it. But ultimately it's probably not the right pick. And it's probably too early to take um, Wilson that early in the, in the first round. So Trey Smith makes a lot of sense here as an interior offensive lineman. And, you know, he's extremely powerful, just kind of a wall in himself. He doesn't really need anybody else. He could probably take on two dudes alone, um, and I'm pretty sure he transferred from Georgia, um, didn't he? Uh, you are thinking Cade Mays. I'm thinking Cade Mays, okay. So, um, yeah, wrong guy. So, But, yeah, you, you would feel very solidified as an offensive line um, if you insert Trey Smith into a, a decent offensive line there. And the Bears have a decent offensive line, but not great. So um, throw in Trey Smith, and they become a pretty good offensive line there in Chicago. At 19, we have the Eagles taking Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, linebacker out of Notre Dame. We actually both ended up picking linebackers. So I went, uh, I went Dylan Moses here, but um, I know you started to express a lot of um, faith, a lot of excitement in Owusu Koromoa, and I mean, I think that's rightfully so. He's athletic, and he he's a guy on the Notre Dame defense that can make plays out of nowhere with his athletic ability and with his with his elite speed. And the Eagles need a true linebacker. I like TJ Edwards. Um, I'm not just saying that coming out of Wisconsin because he is coming out of Wisconsin, but 
they need a few they need the future of that linebacker and like not only are they not um overly deep at the linebacker position but the fact that even like even though we didn't have the same pick here necessarily but the fact that we both had linebacker um, i think linebacker makes so much sense here <laughs> yeah um that's true how many how much we have to hear from the eagles fans about their linebacking core so Obviously, it's their number one problem in terms of what they need the most in on their team right now. They just don't have very good linebacker play at all. Um, it's pretty bad. And, yeah, I love um, Jeremiah Wusu. Um, I, I probably – he probably bursted onto my scene um, when Florida State played them, and he was just all over the field making plays. He's so fast. He's smaller side, so he makes up for it in speed and physicality. So – you got to when you're a small dude in a position that's usually dominated by big bulky guys who are athletic. So you just bring the athleticism, the speed, the quickness, and, you know, the mindset and the, you know, football IQ to the game. And you are born to have a, an elite player. Um, a lot of people like to compare him to Patrick queen, who's there in um, Baltimore right now, but um, probably not quite that player, but has the ability to become that type of playmaker as he's always around the ball. Going into 20, we got the Jaguars again on the board, and this is going to be your tight end slash halfback out of Penn State and Pat Frermuth. Did I say that right, Sam? Pat Frermuth, <laughs> yep. Um, the tight end makes a lot of sense, and the Jaguars have so many pieces here. Um, I, I, I have a friend that's a big Jaguars fan. He wants Kyle Pitts. I really don't think you can go wrong with Pat Frermuth here. He's a guy that can produce it both as a pass catcher and in your backfield. I mean, they went out and signed Tyler Eifert, but Tyler Eifert is a guy that um, can't stay healthy. Uh, we haven't seen we haven't seen or heard a ton from him this season. Um, they have James O'Shaughnessy as well, but like that's a guy that's going to be kind of your role player tight end. But Pat Furmuth is a great tight end, a great guy to build, um, a great guy to build your offense um, around for your tight end and. We mentioned, like, I mean, I think I mentioned, I'm not sure if it was on here, but tight end outside of the quarterback position is arguably, I think, is arguably one of the hardest positions to learn in the NFL. I mean, we've seen multiple tight ends. We've seen multiple teams. Teams go through multiple tight ends. Um, and now, obviously, we're starting to see it kind of die down a bit um, with um, Dolphins getting Mike Isecki. I was a big Mike Isecki guy, but he's kind of – not really uh, happy with him in fantasy right now, but uh, but now I mean CJ was on. I think he's got tons of potential. Um, I know Lawrence was a big guy that was on. Lawrence was a guy that was big on him. Um, kind of an underrated pick too, which was I liked that as well. But unfortunately, he was out. But Mark Andrews, uh, Darren Waller, we're starting to see more tight ends come out, and I think Pat Frimuth is going to be potentially a guy that you can add to that list. Yeah, I think it's good for the Jags here to get a weapon that'll help them in the tight end game, you know, open up the middle of the field a little bit more for their wide receivers on the outside because they've got talent on the outside and they need a quarterback to be able to do that as well. So that's where your problems kind of arise in Jacksonville and then getting a quarterback early and then drafting Pat here makes total sense. Um, you can tell, I mean, Penn State, he they didn't really utilize him what everybody thought he was going to be utilized as last year. But already you see in week one when they played Indiana, um, he had what 10 targets or um, something like that. Let me check real quick. Yeah, he was targeted 10 times and he caught seven passes um, for 60 yards and a touchdown. So 
Um, they're trying to utilize him more of what he should be utilized like and as. And so that's going to only, you know, progress <clears throat> as the season goes on and then earn, you know, pad a higher, you know, draft, draft spot here in the first round. And it takes us to the 21st pick here. We got the Browns taking an edge out of Miami, and that's the other edge outside of Russo, and that's Quincy Roche. I like this a lot. I think the Browns need to continue building their defense. I know a lot of the question came arose where um, has OBJ played um, his last his last um, season, his last game in a in a Cleveland Browns uniform. I I think. I think they should re-sign him or trade him. I sh- or should not trade him, I, I should say, because uh, he's not even up. But mm-hmm. um, I think the wide receiver position is going to be another position to watch for the Browns to see if they do end up moving OBJ, because I think if they do, you could potentially go over Shad Bateman here um, alongside Jarvis Landry, because I think that would be a really nice compliment for Jarvis Landry. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, I mean, I guess we'll kind of spoil. I'm not gonna, we're not going to tell you which team it is, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk to Shad Bateman in just a bit here. Um, so he is in our first round. We're not going to tell you who, but uh, Quincy Roche, um, like I mentioned with Patrick Jones, um, not only is he a big body type of player, I mean, he can he can disrupt the run and he can disrupt the pass. And he 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 is a – what is the right phrase for that? Because he, he can produce both interior and exterior. He's 6'3", 245, coming from the Matt Rule system coming from Temple, um, now coming into Miami with obviously with Gregory Rousseau is out. Now is really his time to, to really um, improve his draft stock. Because like even before, like even coming into the season, he was already seen in mock drafts in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know actually I think I, I think I was the one like that had him in the first round. Um and you, you weren't. Um, I actually we had even at different positions here, um, right. but and I think we ended up going with yours. Your, I might it's be, your your pick. Was it mine? <laughs> yeah, point two is yours. Yeah, I gotta memorize my mock. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but I, I love this pick. Um, I think another. I mean, I mentioned the wide receiver. That's another position that's going to be an interesting the one to watch. See if they do end up moving OBJ. Um, but. This is to me. I think this is assuming they keep OBJ. Um, it, I think it goes Quincy Roche, um, but I think the wide receiver position, like the twenty twenty draft, is um, going to be very deep. No, but I really, really thought of going with Tamorian Terry with one of the last two picks here. I did not. <laughs> Guess you'll find out, Steve. Guess you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't mind to here. I did include him in my first round mock because, um, or my personal one, we include him in our combined one um, just because it does make sense. Just because I feel like teams have, without Gregory Rousseau, their teams have been kind of keying in on Quincy Roche when it comes to dealing with that Miami defensive line in the pass rush there. So um, I think it's a good fit there in my era in Cleveland. Um, with him, they need help on that defensive line other than Miles Garrett. Um, he's the only thing they kind of got there in terms of pass rush at all. So I think it's a good fit. I just think Quincy Roche needs to do a little bit more the rest of this season, and we'll see how that goes. Is Kyle Pitts already off the board? He is not off the board yet. So, um, you know, there will be a little bit of 
see if but he hey, throws I mean, on. Pat Fryer has only played two games this season, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Pitts potentially is the first tight end off the board, but not on not on this one point oh one, not yet. Not yet, but he could be later. I don't remember if he is or not, but we'll see. All right. Um, the next pick here is going to be uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Pick number 22, taking edge out of Wake Forest, and that's Carlos Basham. Yeah, the Colts defense, they've been so consistent this year, and I feel like nobody really talks about that. And DeForest Buckner is really turning out to be a great, great addition. And – um, they don't have a ton of depth at their edge rusher position, and Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest would be an outstanding compliment. Such a lethal duo um, for the Colts. I like this a lot here. Yeah, so he hasn't really lived up to the hype that everybody was expecting him to live up to this season at Wake Forest. I think Colts need a little bit of help there on that line, like you were saying, in terms of depth. Um, he hasn't put up the numbers that we were expecting him to. Like I was saying, he used to put up um, a 90.6 pass rushing grade last season through five games. This year, he's only put up 73.8, and he's up the he's up 10 pounds this season. So I wonder if that kind of has something to do with it as well. Um, putting on that extra weight might have slowed him down a bit. So we'll see what happens when he gets to the combine and after this season, what he does to you know kind of transform his body and get his body in shape for a combine and to show off you know to the NFL scouts and the GMs and everybody what he can actually do in terms of his athleticism, his speed, his get off, all that good stuff, his range of motion, his, you know, hips, how he uses that and everything else. So um, it's a good pickup for, for Basham. I don't know if it's a world beater of a pick, but it's more of a, Hey, we need to build this team and not look for like a star. That's going to, you know, maybe pan out. Taking it down to the 23rd pick and head over to Arizona with the Cardinals. And we got a cornerback being taken out of Georgia and Tyson Campbell. Cornerback makes so much sense here. I think we both had Tyson Campbell here. Um, yeah. So I think it was a really nice consensus here. Um, the cornerbacks are really struggling. And I think, I think I would argue the corners are the most important struggling position i'm from both the offensive and defensive standpoint um they're struggling obviously robert alford's out on the ir for the season they only have Drake kirkpatrick on a one-year deal um patrick peterson um hasn't been bad this year but they've been he's been rumored on trade deadline or on trade talks for how long now the past year or two so i mean it's kind of um there are haters <laughs> haters out there <laughs> Marvin Wilson went number one, Mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think this is only right here. Um, Tyson Campbell has – there's a reason why he's always mocked in first rounds because he's been nothing but consistent. Um, he, I mean, even with even with these kind of uncertain times and with, with an un, un, like a weird season we're playing in, he's still playing well. And another corner I really, really like, um, I like him almost – better um i think tyson campbell has the potential to um overtake that case but i love jc horn here too but I, I like the corner i think the corner is arguably i think the cardinals truthfully i think they should go corner or edge um in the first round but i think corner is the number one priority for this team right now 
surprisingly enough, corner is pretty deep this year in terms of, you know, top end talent. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of top guys that you could go with guys that were, you were thinking that could probably be like second or third day guys that are now making their names known and everything like that. So yeah, I like, uh, um, Tyson Campbell here out of Georgia too. Um, he's been pretty much locked down this year, except for, I think it was the Alabama game. He let a big one get ripped off on him. So other than that, he's just, you know, your prototypical cornerback. He's going to play very well, play lock up, get right in your face too. He's not worried about, you know, playing off the ball at all. So that's really good. Um, and I think it's a good fit for the Cardinals because as we see, um, their corners have a hard time, you know, stopping anybody there. So I like the pick. Um, Steve saying Patrick Peterson definitely went from an all pro to being a guy picked on now. So this is the right need completely agree. Um, he's being picked on, um, some corners. I mean, he is getting up there a little bit in terms of, you know, being in the league for quite some time, but, um, usually corners have about what eight year window that they typically play with. So Patrick, Patrick Peterson is, is getting picked on. And I think Tyson Campbell here makes a lot of sense. To the 24th pick, and this is Sam's favorite uh, team right here, and that's the Wisconsin, the Green Bay Packers, um, taking Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver out of Minnesota. So you're picking uh, you're picking up Corey's favorite from Corey's favorite team to your favorite team. <laughs> I want to I want to keep dreaming for this. Um, I I don't know if I want to get my hopes up for receiver, um, but hey, MVS and EQ Brown are both free agents. Um, I, I personally don't see us keeping, I don't see us letting both of them walk. I think, I think we might keep MVS just because I feel like the front office has so much faith in MVS. And even if you like see Packer fans too, they're so split on him. And I think they'd say that because the history of Packers wide receivers, Jordy Nelson was not good when he first joined. Jordy Nelson used to run out of bounds every time he'd catch a ball. <laughs> James Jones went from butterfingers to elite hands. Jordy Nelson went from running out of bounds to being one of the best wide receivers in the Packers era, coming from comeback, tearing his AC on a preseason game against the Steelers to um, comeback player of the year the following year, Devontae Adams. And that's a big reason with the MVS ranting or MVS argument too, is Devontae Adams didn't kind of didn't pop off until his third season. Um, but wide receiver makes so much sense. And this is my second receiver in the draft. Um, I think Jalen Waddle, I think we can kind of, I think we both agreed on it was a better fit for the Dolphins. Rashad Bateman would be really nice, but to get to a familiar target, a familiar weapon in Jalen Waddle, um, but Rashad Bateman, if we take Rashad Bateman, um, I will be speechless. Um, I will be so happy. Um, he is an elite route runner. And even after we talked about this, after Michigan, or after Minnesota, lost to Michigan, a game that we fully expected them to win. Rashad Bateman still did Rashad Bateman things. He had over – he might not, might not have had a touchdown, but I think he had eight or nine receptions um, for, 100, for 100 receiving yards. Um, so he's an elite route runner. He's not your big-bodied receiver, but that is one thing that he excels in his route running, and this would be an outstanding addition and a lovely compliment with to Devontae Adams. Yeah, the problem here is, is – um... <laughs> are the Packers going to make the right pick here in the first round this year? Because uh, that hasn't been the case in recent memory, uh, if mine serves me right. But, yeah, I love Rashad Bateman here to the pack. Um, it's a great move because 
obviously MVS isn't giving you what you really need right now. And neither is Alan Lazard or, I mean, outside of that, you don't really know anybody else to throw the ball to besides Robert Tanyan um, at your tight end position. So, um, and you've been dealing with drops. I don't, I've been seeing a lot of drops for the Packers wide receivers other than Devonte Adam Adams. Um, so that's a real problem there in Minnesota or in green Bay. So taking a, a guy from Minnesota and Rashad Bateman knows how to play in the cold. That's perfect. Um, like you said, he had a hundred yards on what people called a down day versus <laughs> probably one of the top defenses in the big 10 there in Michigan. So um, that's huge for Rashad Bateman, especially coming in, back in from his opt out. Um, it's just a perfect fit as long as Green Bay goes with him. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would love that. Next up, we got the Tennessee Titans and they're going to be taking Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan edge. I think this makes so much sense here. I think this team needs help um, at the edge rusher position. And even you think you mentioned earlier, but before we went on the air, like their biggest help on their, on that defense is defensive line. Um, they traded um, one of their edge rushers to the Jaguars for a sixth round pick. I think it was a few weeks ago. Um, and they surprisingly cut Vic Beasley today. I did not expect that to happen. I was a little bit surprised with that and why they didn't at least wait until the end of the season, especially with how well that team right. was doing. Um, but I think Edge, Aiden Hutchinson is, um, I would say he's a little bit, um, I don't even know his weight. I think, I think Quiddy Pay might be a little bit leaner than Aiden Hutchinson. Um, Aiden Hutchinson can produce these. He can, he is, he has been a run stuffer, um, but he moves really well for his size. I love him on the outside. He'd be really nice with Jadavian Clowney if the Titans end up signing Jadavian Clowney, which with the status of how, um, with the lack of depth on the edge rusher, um, it might be a possibility. But Christian made a good point. I mean, we haven't seen a huge, like, huge breakout games season so far from Jadavian Clowney. We've seen a few flashes here and there, but that edge rusher position is going to be a big question mark because we don't know the long-term answer for that, especially since Jadavian Clowney is only on a one-year deal. Yeah, it's a smart move. Um, getting rid of Vic Beasley and letting him go. And I originally wanted to go with uh, a um defensive lineman out of Washington as an interior defensive lineman because Tennessee's had problems all over their defensive line this season. Um, and nobody's really lived up to what they were supposed to be. They got rid of a bunch of guys in the past two years as well um, off of that dominating, what used to be a dominating defensive line. So um, this is for a chance for them to get back on the board and dominate here. I know – Quiddy Pay has been getting all the, you know, love there in Michigan on the edge, but Aiden Hutchinson's just as good. I mean, in that game against um, who they just play, uh, I don't remember. Uh, might have been. I think he had 10 tackles and then like three quarterback hurries. So he's, he might not be getting, you know, the sacks or, you know, the other accolades, tackles for losses or anything, but he's creating havoc there in the backfield. And I mean, that's pretty dangerous, a dangerous Michigan combo there. So, Aiden Hutchinson to the Titans seems like a, a very good fit. <clears throat> At 26, we have the Ravens coming in here, and we have them taking a wide receiver, and that's something they extremely need, and that's going to be Rondell Moore out of Purdue. Yeah, and we talked about, um, if Alex is still there too, we talked about um, the tweet that Marquise Brown um, tweeted out and deleted um, had to do with um, 
why would why do we have receivers in the field if you don't use them? Um, parentheses never was something like that. And I said I think Lamar needs to build trust in his receivers because Marquise Brown I think is their guy. And we look look what Mark Andrews has developed into. And I'm not the biggest guy on Max Williams, but look what the Ravens have really developed their tight ends into. They have developed mm-hmm. their tight ends into um, starting caliber, like Hayden Hurst. Uh, we've seen Hayden Hurst has kind of been on and off. He's starting to slowly come back now and produce. Um, but this would be a lot. I mean, the, the, like the Chiefs, like the Ravens sure do love their speed um, mm-hmm. on the offense and their receivers. And what better one, what better guy um, than Rondell Moore? And one of my cousins has Rondell Moore as wide receiver one. Um, such a wild card pick, and I love it. Um, Rondell Moore is a stud. And, I mean, he, he actually, I think he's been hurt. So I don't think we've seen him. I know he didn't play against Penn State. Right. Or he didn't play week one. Um, I don't think he played last week. Um, so yeah. I I think he might still be on the injury report. I haven't heard any updates from him this week. I, I, should, I guess I should say I haven't, I haven't read anything. Um, but this would be a great pick. Um, and Dan Orlovsky was talking about um, they need to um, go after a tight end, and, tight end and the, at the deadline, at the trade deadline over wide receiver. Outside of Marquise Brown, you got a lot of question marks at your wide receivers. Uh, Miles Boykin's not your answer. Um, <laughs> Willie Sneed has been like a wide receiver three, and like he's he's been on and off with the Saints, and even with the Ravens, he popped off in a game. I think last week it was or two weeks ago. Uh, but Rondo Moore would be an easy wide receiver two here. And like I mentioned, the Ravens love their speed. It seems like they love their speed on their offense. Um, and I love this fit. Yeah, I think it's a great fit for the Ravens. Just <laughs> like you were saying, Willie Sneed and uh, Miles Boykin aren't the guys to compliment uh, Marquise Brown in that passing game. Marquise Brown, smaller guy um, who's really quick, fast, burner, going to burn you for a long touchdown and all that. So I think this is the perfect guy to throw on the other side of him. More of a deep threat or more of a go up and get it type wide receiver. He's tall. He's body. Um, he had a terrific season last year with Purdue and, um, it's the real question mark comes down to is why is he missing these games early on in the season? You know, like there's not even anything really out there in, in terms of news wise. I haven't seen anything about him being injured or if there's something going on off the field or anything like that. It's just kind of been really quiet. So that brings into question there, but if you can get Rondell Moore, who is perhaps, you know, in question to be one of the top two wide receivers, in my opinion, in terms of, you know, talent wise. Um, and you get him this late in the first round, that's extremely great for a Ravens team that is really hurting in the wide receiver department. And I think the fact that you meant that we both kind of mentioned that he's hurt is big, probably a big reason why he's kind of fluctuating throughout a lot of first round mock drafts. I even saw yeah. one where he wasn't even in the first round. Wow. Um, a little bit. So that, yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that, but um, I think this is a guy that, especially like if he's not, if he's hurt um, the first few games, um, I don't know how severe it is. Um, I don't think we've even heard any updates of how severe it is. Um, but this is a guy that I think could fluctuate throughout the first round as a wide receiver. And I think yeah. there's quite a few teams that could use a wide receiver. 
Um, and it's, it has to do with how, not only how much they value it, but I guess, yeah, how much they value it over their other positions of needs. Yeah. Like the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, that'll bring us into the 27th pick, the New Orleans Saints. Pick up a tight end out of Florida, or it could be a wide receiver, depending on what you want to do with him, and that's Kyle Pitts. So I had Zach Wilson here at first, but then I totally forgot to put Pat Frymouth here. Um, and I know actually you've had Zach Wilson to the Bears. So it looks like we both had Zach Wilson in our first round mock draft. Yeah. But um, <laughs> if two real sports one watching this, there's Kyle Pitts. Um, I think if they don't pick a quarterback, I really think Kyle Pitts is a match made in heaven here. Um, Jared Cook is getting up there. I think Jared Cook is Jared Cook's contract is up too. Um, he's either up this year or next year. Um, they went out and drafted Adam Troutman. I think he's the first. I think he's the first guy ever to get drafted out of Dayton. Um, I don't see him being the tight end one. I see him being kind of the role player, like a Cameron Brait role player guy. Um, um, but Kyle Pitts, this to me is a match made in heaven. This makes so much sense. Um, I, I, I think the tight end I, – I, I said the Saints watch out for them taking a quarterback, um, but I think tight end, arguably, if they don't take a quarterback, I, I would – I would argue that this is the number one position to me to build for their future um, because obviously Drew Brees is up there in age and we have started to, we, we are seeing signs of regression from him all season. Um, we have seen it all season from him, but Jerry Cook's getting up there in age. And if you've got Kyle Pitts there at 27, um, this to me makes a ton of sense. And it'd be scary. You got Kyle Pitts, um, you have Michael Thomas, and I think the trade rumors can stop. I don't think he's, He's not going to go. He's, they're not going to trade one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Um, you only have Emmanuel Sanders on a one-year deal, so I think the wide receiver position is going to come into question in the later rounds. Um, but Kyle Pitts, to me here, even a tight end, I had Pat Frymouth as one of my other fits for this team. Um, Kyle Pitts, to me, is a match made in heaven here. Yeah, I like Kyle Pitts here, too. Um like you said, Cook's getting up there in age. At some point, he's going to start falling off. And then uh, Drew Brees, we're not really sure what happens there. So if if I prior to pop or co contrary to popular belief, I think that Jameis Winston could be the successor there um, in New Orleans. And if you go back to Jameis's college days, he had a tight end by the name of Nick O'Leary that was strictly a pass catching tight end, didn't do much in the blocking scheme. So. If you think about adding a guy like Kyle Pitts to an offense that could eventually be taken over by Jameis Winston with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, that is that screams lethality to me. Um, who do you match up against? Who do you want to pick and choose to match up against? Right. So, um, and you were talking about how the wide receiver position after Emmanuel Sanders is gone this season kind of opens up. Well, Kyle Pitts is, you know, like I was saying just a minute ago, he could be a tight end slash wide receiver ultimately. I mean, guy's long he's athletic he's quick but he can also block when he needs to be so um he i think he's a great fit for the saints um with for all the prior things that we mentioned but um through three games i just want to tell you this is your kyle pitts um his stats through his first three games this season 274 yards for, with seven touchdowns have you ever seen something like that out of a tight end before I, i've never in my life seen something like that and i was like I remember texting you in the first game and he had three in his first uh -huh. game. And I was like, 
oh my God, we might see a tight end go like top 10 because that's the type of performance that Kyle Pitts has been putting on. I, mean, I don't think you and I were thinking, I think a lot of people were thinking that. That's why That's why I even thought about putting Kyle Pitts to the Los Angeles Chargers, but I had to go lineman there. But I mean, the, I very well think we might see Kyle Pitts go earlier, um, potentially 20 to the Jags. But um, yeah, I think Kyle Pitts, the way he's playing this season is making a case for tight end one. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a player for some time, I think. Um, but let's move on here, and we'll go to pick 28. And that's the Buffalo Bills taking cornerback out of South Carolina, J.C. Horn. And that's your your guy right there, Sam. I like this a lot. Um, I would have – I liked him to the Cardinals too, but the Bills, we both agreed here as well. Um, they need another corner to complement Tredavious White, who I think is a top three corner in the NFL. Um, but – I would like to see a little bit more physicality out of J.C. Horn, um, just the consistency of it. Um, but we've seen him – he's gone up against Kyle Pitts. I mean, there was a there was an announcer a few weeks ago when South Carolina played Florida. He was lined up over Kyle Pitts, and I don't want to kind of – I guess I'll like quote-unquote. He said he did a good job opening up his hips, anticipating the route, and wrapping up right away and staying tight with Kyle Pitts. And another one was when South Carolina upset – Auburn and Bo Nix was on the sideline. He went up against Seth Williams. I don't remember who told me this, but someone said he's Seth Williams reminds him of a Mike Evans. I don't recall who told me that. Um, yeah, I saw that too. Um, but Seth Williams was targeted 11 times in that game, and he only caught four of them because J.C. Horn was a big part of that game. And I think he 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 has so much athleticism and. I, I know you're um, – I think we kind of agreed with his physicality. I mean, he is physical at times. I just want to see more consistency on that. Um, and I think you mentioned something with, like, he's very sneaky or risky with that, but it works. Yeah. Very good with that. And I, I like this a lot. And I think there's – I think rightfully so there's a reason why he's in the first round. Um, and on, not only in ours, but, like, we've seen it in other people's. We've mm-hmm. I've seen him higher than 28 here. Um but I like J.C. Horn a lot. Oh, I, I love it. Um, I was taking a cornerback here anyways with the Bills um, for the same reason you said, get somebody on the opposite side of Tredavis White there. Tredavis White uh, can lock down one side of the field, but he's not a playmaker type. So he's like more of a pass breakup, um, just, you know, not giving up any plays on his side. He's not necessarily going to make a turnover for you, even though he will, um, but he's not that type of player. So putting a player that is that type of player on the other side of the field in J.C. Horn is huge deal. His his highlight film against against Seth Williams was amazing. I think he had two picks even that day, um, and he was just all over the place. And I was like, dude, this kid is <laughs> insane. So um, the only problem I really have with J.C. Horn is he's kind of inconsistent sometimes, and then um, he's had some penalty issues. I think he – has like a pass interference in all every single game this year. So got to cut down on that. But other than that, I mean, going up to a Bills team, that makes a lot of sense with them bringing in another corner to sure up that defense. Moving on, we got number 29, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're going to draft the running back out of Clemson and Travis Etienne. Yeah, this is the future of their run game. Leonard Fournette is gone. Um, LaShawn McCoy, I know Bruce Arians said when they signed LaShawn McCoy, um, they expected him to be a big part of their offense, and he hasn't. we haven't seen anything of him. Um, and Leonard Fournette, 
I mean, even a lot of people expected Leonard Fournette to be the RB1 over in Tampa. And Bruce Arians completely shot that down and said, it's Leonard, it's Ronald Jones, it's Ronald Jones RB1 position to lose. Um, but Leonard Fournette, I think I don't think Leonard Fournette will have a problem going get going to get a contract somewhere else, but I don't think it's gonna be in Tampa. Um, right. this to me would be outstanding. I think Travis Etienne has the talent to overtake Ronald Jones as an RB1. Um, I think if I think if Travis Etienne this, I mean, one outside of the Alabama players like Alex Leatherwood and Dylan Moses, this was one of the sh- one of the other shocking moves that I was really surprised with, as well as some a lot of other people too. That he stayed back another year, and boy, is it starting to pay off. He went out mm-hmm. and yeah, he had the fumble um, on the goal line on that Boston College that ended up, ended up taking back for a touchdown. Um, but he really. Uh, he really bounced back after that, and he is now Clemson's leading rusher. Um, I The one knock, and I think I mentioned this with him and Chuba Hubbard, and I think that's what sets Chuba Hubbard apart from him, is his decision-making. And I think that's the one thing that Travis Etienne has to kind of improve on, and he has really started to improve on that a lot this season, um, is the fact that he started to – he starts to panic when he starts to find those open holes. He panics at making a decision on where to run, and he has improved so much on that and immensely. And I think if he would have entered last this past draft, he would have been a top three running back. Um, I think he, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was shocking to me, but I think the fact that it, I think he fit the scheme that the Chiefs were running, and I. I think Travis Etienne had a very would have had a very strong chance of going in the first round. I think Travis Etienne, I think him and Jonathan Taylor would have been close to each other. Um, I think Travis Etienne is a top two, top three. I am so high on Travis Etienne. I like this fit. Um, I'm not a huge Ronald Jones guy. I know you know that, um, but he's he's exceeded my expectations this season. But I think if you bring in Travis Etienne, Ronald Jones is a nice guy to have compliment him. Right. I think Travis Eaton 100% has got the talent to be an RB1. And what better way for Tampa? You've got Tampa, Tristan Wirfs. Um, not sure. At, I mean, at the now it's looking like they're paying off that they traded up one spot. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, were really surprised that they moved one spot for Tristan Wirfs when you had the Niners picking for him, picking before you. But now it's really starting to pay off because Tristan Wirfs is one of, if not your best, the, the, the best rookie offensive tackle. Um, through the, uh, through midseason, and you're building on your offensive line. And I love Travis Etienne here, and I am so high on Etienne. Yeah, uh, he's obviously probably the number one running back in the class, probably the only running back to go in the first round here. Um, obviously, based off of our first-round mock, mock, mock draft, that is the case. Um, and you're going from one championship team to perhaps another. You go from Trevor Lawrence to Tom Brady – um he'll fit right in immediately he's got that type of attitude um tom brady will love this guy i'm sure um he will and yeah fournette i don't see him being here after this season i think this was kind of a year for him for fournette to come in and just try and do whatever he can do to earn his earn some type of contract with another team and that's kind of what's happening here um i think shady mccoy probably leaves too and then you start to move Keyshawn vaughn into that third running back position the guy you took last year out of bandy um, I think Travis Etienne, a combo with him and Rojo is going to be pretty lethal. You have Travis Etienne, who's your one cut, he's gone type player running back there. And then you have Rojo, who's a, who's a bruiser, and he's just going to go right between the tackles and, you know, do the things he needs to do to get four or five, six yards on a, on a first down. And then 
you plug Travis Etienne either there on second or third down, you know, depending on whatever you want to call and what play calls you want to do. I mean, shoot, even mix it in with two a two running back system there and, you know, get kind of crazy with it. You never know. So um, Travis Etienne to the Bucks makes all kinds of sense. And and I know everybody wants to talk. Bucks have all these running backs already. But like we're saying, some of these guys aren't going to be here next year and they're going to need a running back here. Um, I guess you could say they could use a, a edge or, a, or, you know, maybe a, another offensive lineman. But honestly, the biggest pickup that the Bucks need probably after this season is going to be running back. That moves us into our 30th pick here, and that is going to be the New York Jets. And outside of their big need, (laughs) other than their big need of a quarterback here, um, this is one that I kind of threw in here, and Sam was like, oh, I love that pick. And that is the wide receiver out of USC, Amon Ross St. Brown. So you guys heard me talking about him earlier um, tonight in the Pac-12 talk. So uh, go ahead, Sam. I love that you picked this and I wanted to have one of our first, I have wanted to have our first mock draft be kind of like a wild card pick. And I love this. I've seen very few mock drafts with him in the first. And I think I've maybe seen one or two. Um, but I think if depending on the season he has, I think he right now, I would say he'll probably get drafted. Maybe I would say where near where Michael Pittman went, but if he has mm-hmm. a breakout season, especially with an up and coming Keaton Slovis, if he continues to get better, I think he's got the potential to be selected late in the first round, potentially these last two or three picks here. I love this. I mean, Denzel Mims, Denzel Mims did not have a bad game. His first game of the season, his rookie debut. Unfortunately, he was dealing with injuries. Um, I think if they're smart, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Jamison Crowder. If they're smart, they keep Quinn Williams. I know they weren't even shopping him apparently at the trade deadline. Um, Quinn Williams is an outstanding player to build off of. Um, Jamison Crowder has been so consistent, um, with an awful coaching staff. Um, I think the Jets will win their off season with, um, with, uh, with firing Adam Gaze. I think I had Rondo Moore and I, I texted this mock draft to my cousin <laughs> and it's the same one that had Rondo Moore as one of his top receivers in the draft. <laughs> and he said, Seeing Rondell Moore on the Jets really made me upset. Really made me sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, hey, man, maybe we got him on the Ravens, so hopefully you like that one. But I love this pick, dude. Like, big-body receiver. The Jets need receivers so desperately. You could maybe go Travis Etienne here, but that would have made me upset um, going there. But I love that pick to the Buccaneers. But they need a receiver. And if they keep Jameson Crowder, what better wide receiver one to – or what better wide receiver to to put alongside Jamison Carter? Yeah, I think it's perfect. That's why I went there. I did some search, and I was like, what offensive piece do I want to add to this team? And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I thought about Travis Etienne, and I was like, I don't know. I think I want Travis Etienne to go to the Bucs because they need a running back, not a wide receiver, and then Jets could use a wide receiver. So I was like, what receivers do I have? And I started going through all that, and I was like, well, he's – Amon Ross St. Brown is gonna is gonna show some people some different things this year because USC no longer has Michael Pittman who gobbled up a hundred catches last season. So uh, Amon Ross St. Brown should be getting all those targets that Michael Pittman's leaving there at USC, and now we're gonna see what he can do as a number one guy. So if he's able to flourish like we expect him to, and you slide him in there with Trevor Lawrence and Jamison Crowder, and then you got Denzel Mims running a little out there too in three wide receiver sets. Could be a pretty good, you know, passing game there in, in in New York as long as they can sure up, you know, 
the line and then the running back play later in the draft. So um, I like this pick for the Jets, and I had already spoke on what St. Brown is going to be able to do in USC, so I don't need to go too much more into it. We'll move on here, and we got the Chiefs um, taking Devontae Smith, wide receiver Alabama. So that's your wide receiver number one now in Alabama now that Jalen Waddle is out for the season. Yeah, and which that is unfortunate, obviously. But I think this is a chance for Devontae Smith because I know this is kind of where you and I have the disagreement on where I like Jalen Waddle better than Devontae Smith and you actually think the other way around. But I think this is the chance where Devontae Smith pops off. And I know some people were surprised that he ended up staying back at Alabama, but I think it's going to end up paying off. And I think regardless of Jalen Waddle, it was fully healthy. I think it was going to pan out, pan out for him. I think Devontae Smith needed that year. Um, he was their third target. He was he was the third target behind Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. He needed this year. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know how I, I'm not high on Mac Jones, but I do think Mac Jones is better than people give him credit for. Um, granted, he does have a super team around him, but um, <laughs> I, I think that I think Devonte Smith is going to start popping off. I think his stats have the potential to blow up. He, like you mentioned, he's their number one guy, and. I like this fit. The wide receiver position for the Chiefs could be a question mark here. Um, Sammy Watkins is a free agent. Obviously, Nicole Hardman is still on his rookie deal. But Sammy Watkins is a free agent. And you mentioned earlier, like, Nicole Hardman has struggled with drops. We haven't seen, like, that huge leap from Nicole Hardman in his sophomore season. Or third season, I think it was. Yeah, third. Um, yeah, it was 2018. Um but yeah, we haven't seen those huge leaps. Last year, we saw a very impressive season, and now he's kind of struggling with the drops. Um, and that's what Devontae Smith, like you mentioned, excels in. Um, he has those elite hands. He has that consistency in that. Um, and I think that would be a really nice fit for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it's a great fit. Um, I To begin the college football season, I don't remember if you remember or not, but I was taking Devontae Smith as the number one wide receiver in Bama, even with Jalen Waddell. And I think that's what you're talking about when we were yep. disagreeing. And um, so not – obviously Jalen Waddell is the big play guy and, you know, draws the team's attention. But Devontae Smith, man, <clears throat> um, he's small, but, man, does he go up and get a ball um, and does he have hands. Uh, it's like – he he hasn't dropped one pass this season yet, which is incredible to me that we're this far into the season already, and he hasn't passed. Um, he's caught 45 passes for 556 yards. So, uh, I mean, it's not terrific numbers, but then again, you you for the majority of that time, you're dealing with Jalen Waddle too at the same time, who's seeing probably more targets than you are. But outside of that, now that Waddle is gone, the second <coughs> half of the season is going to be all up to Devontae Smith to kind of put his name back out there and. Like you were saying, not dropping one single pass so far in this season and looking at Nico Hardman dropping passes weekly, multiple passes weekly, um, just goes to tell me that if he's inserted into that roster, Chiefs love run love running three wide receiver sets anyways. So, I mean, obviously Sammy Watkins is probably gone. He's going to move on to his next city or, or whatever after this season. So I like Devontae Smith there with the Chiefs too. And to finish off the first round in our last pick, um, if you guys were watching Mark or Steve and you were talking about, are there any Florida State players? Well, here's one in the last pick of the first <laughs> round. Going to the Steelers is defensive lineman out of Florida State, Marvin Wilson. I think this is one of the most surprising players in college football because 
he has not lived up to a lot of the expectations that everyone is hoping. I mean, the game he had against North Carolina, he had a really nice game against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, we're seeing, still starting to see the lack of consistency out of him. Um, and that's why we're starting to see not people not even put him in the first-round mock draft. But, I mean, the, the, the Steelers' defense is arguably top three, in my opinion. Um, and I think if you add Marvin Wilson, even if you add him and come in and like not even if have him be like a role player for his first few games and have him work right. in as a starting guy, I mean, he went from a top 10 projected draft pick. If, if the Steelers are able to get him at the 32 pick, at the 32nd pick, I think this could potentially turn into a steal, um, depending on how this what the season how the season finishes out for Marvin Wilson. Um, but I like this pick a lot. Um, I think another interesting position to go for for this team, maybe in the later rounds is corner. Joe Hayden's getting up there in age. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering maybe a running back. Um, James Conner is up. Travis Etienne would be awesome to see here. Um, a wide receiver would also be an interesting one. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is up. They have James Washington, obviously, and they obviously have Chase Claypool, who's been – one of the more impressive rookies, one of the most impressive rookie wide receivers in this draft class thus far. Um, so there's a lot of interesting places the Steelers could take with their first pick. Um, but I think Marvin Wilson is a guy I know you're high on. Um, I think they could be, but they, depending on how it finishes out, I think this could potentially turn into a steal. Um, and even who, even if this guy ends up falling out of the first round, um, I think he's going to go. I think he could go very early in the second round if he sh- surprisingly falls out of the first round, but he, we need to see more of the consistency. Um, but he's, I mean, his first two seasons as a seminal, I mean, there's a reason why he's, I, we were, he was ranked from even almost a year or short, a month or so after the draft, we were looking at 2021 mocks and he was top 10, top 15. So yeah. I mean, we know his capability. Um, so I yeah, like it. Well, yeah, it's just hard to to see. It, it just makes you really question like what's happened. Um, in 2018, he had a decent year, and then last year he really came on the scene and had an absolutely crazy year. He's playing all types of, doing all great, getting pressures all the time, taking on double teams, plowing through double teams, and now he maybe has half of, not even half of what he was producing at this point last season, and you've got even better talent supposedly around you now and you're still not being able to do it and you're more and you're in a four three now which is or yeah you're in a four three now which is more you know what you used to play whenever Jimbo was your head coach or when you were in high school compared to a three four last year. So it's just really questionable. I think for Marvin Wilson he just needs to get out of Tallahassee. Um he probably should have left this past year but um I think him getting at 32 is it might be a surprise to some people, but like you were saying, um, Sam is if he doesn't go 32 here to the Steelers, um, expect him to go very early in the second round. And honestly, I think once he does get to the Steelers, he can be a rotational guy to start. And but I think at some point you could even just use him as a guy who eats up two blocks and you know allows your your linebackers and your safeties to blitz through there and blitz through the middle and you know get to the quarterback. So ultimately, I. I think that that would be a fun viewer's part because you don't even have to you know ask too much of them other than to take up space and you know rotate in and out of that 
in that lineup and maybe stop the run, which he is known to do and stop the run. And he's, he can fill that hole. So um, I like Marvin Wilson there to Steelers and just reassures that defense as being probably the best in the NFL. All right. So that's going to do it for our first 2021 NFL mock draft about halfway through the season for most of these college football teams and in the NFL. Um, I'm sure we'll be dropping some more and we'll probably post this onto our Twitter. I'm going to go ahead and save this doc after this and, you know, kind of put it out there for everybody. Um, but before we, you know, log off, Sam, you got anything else you want to say? I just want to say, I really appreciate all the engagement in the comments in the comment section. Um, feels like the, feels, it seems like it's the most we've ever had. So I'm really glad this mock draft ended up working out. Glad you guys liked it. So we're going to be doing these once a month here. Um, so I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Um, and again, um, I always unwrap gives me the opportunity to um, of dropping all of my um, <laughs> my advertisements, my talent. Um, so I, I go and follow Dairy Sports. Um, I run a Dairy Sports uh, up and coming brand. We uh, we just did we just started recently a new fantasy football of uh, podcast, and we just had. I just started a career building podcast. So I'm going to be having career building guys on every other week. I had Danny Vietti, CBS MLB writer. Um, this last week I had Thor Nystrom. He's a Roto World NFL draft analyst and he's NBC's lead college football writer. So definitely go check that out. Um, as well as go check out Matt Skura and I on the Title Town show. Um, and I write for the Cards Wire. So definitely go give my draft profiles a. Um, a Go give my draft profiles a read. Um, definitely worth your time. Um, Caleb, I know you got a lot, so I'll let you uh, <laughs> give your uh, promos as well. Yeah, so obviously you've got Saturday standouts here with me and Sam, which is really turning into something, and it's just going to get more exciting as we go on. I also have a Florida State um, podcast slash live broadcast that I do weekly as well, um, sometimes two shows a week called Tribeaholics. So, you know, deals with Florida State and drinking, obviously. So that's real fun to do. Um, and then I also do, um, I'm one of the three main hosts for a live show we do during games that are big and a lot of people watch and bet on. And it's, it's called Unwrap These Bands with Mark um, Belleville and Steve Lewis. So they're the two hosts of For the Love of the Game. So you can check out them as well. So um, give all of us a follow, follow Unwrap Sports. You'll be able to follow everybody there. If you head over to unwrapsports.com, you'll be able to follow and find everybody else's podcast that is affiliated with um on the network as a whole as well so um a lot going on i'm just starting to recently write for um fan-sided chop chat here um in tallahassee too it's based out of there haven't come up with my first article yet but getting ready to get started just been really busy lately so um again sam thank you for coming on and this has been another episode of saturday standouts